I'm super excited. I'm glad Michael is also excited. There we go. Good name, Mike. I always knew it. But we are starting our new series this evening, and it is called The Promotable Life. And we are looking at the story of Joseph. So if you're looking at your Bibles in the moment, at the moment for Joseph, that book does not exist. It is in the book of Genesis, and that is the very first book of the Bible. And we see this character of Joseph from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50. But we're going to be kicking off this series for the next couple of months this year, and even next year. And it is all about God's promotion in our life, God's sovereign hand in our lives, and how we are part of His plan. And so we're going to be covering these three big ideas, and we're not going to be preaching them every week, but we are going to be covering these three big ideas through this series. And the first big idea is this, that promotion overlaps with blessing, but it is different to blessing. See, most people want the blessed life, hashtag blessed. Any hands here? Yep, me, yeah. So that hashtag, I don't know if you know, but on Instagram alone, it has been used 144 million times. Hashtag blessed. From pictures of a new car, from pictures of them getting a college scholarship, from pictures of them just getting a new Gucci bag that week. It is great. Hashtag blessed. On uh, Twitter alone this week, in the last seven days, that hashtag has reached 1.5 million people. Why? Because we all want to be blessed. We all want to have blessings in this life. But actually, promotion looks different to blessing. And so blessing is actually all about ourselves. And it's this amazing Christian statement, hashtag bless, that allows us to look humble while also wanting something in this world. But I look at the Bible and we look at the story of Joseph and we see God presenting something different. He is showing us a different way of living. But we all want the hashtag blessed life. But actually, when we look at the Bible, blessings look different to how we think about it in this normal uh, age. So it says in Ephesians 3 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. Not every financial blessing, not every monetary blessing, every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. The word blessing is uh, used 112 times in the New Testament alone, and it is never related to financial blessing. Not once. You will not find that word in its original language being related to financial blessing. We can consider these passages. Suffering and trials are not blessings in themselves, but they are channels for God's grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you. I don't know if you've seen any Instagram posts lately when they've been persecuted and they've used the hashtag, hashtag blessed. Anyone? No, not, not just me. Okay. But that is what the Bible says. The blessings in today's age that we think about are not what Scripture is talking about. 
it is talking about spiritual blessings, not just financial blessings. And God's hand does work in our lives. And God does pour out his favor and he does pour out his blessing in those ways. But primarily, the Bible is speaking about spiritual blessings. So promotion overlaps blessing, but it is different to blessing. But so why promotion? Is it even a biblical thing? Does the Bible speak about promotion? I don't know about you, but I like being promoted in this world. Because with promotion, normally comes some sort of raise, comes some sort of uh, standard where you're actually moving along the corporate ladder or you're moving forward in life, and it comes with certain conditions, and it comes with certain perks as well. See, I always wanted to be promoted. I am quite a, uh, a person who likes competition in certain circumstances, and I always wanted to be the best at kind of everything that I do. So whether I didn't play a lot of sports, but I did play the cello in an orchestra. I know, great for popularity back in high school. But I always wanted to be the best at that. I wanted to be the first chair cello. I wanted to be in the greatest orchestra. I wanted to do all those things. And I worked hard in order to achieve those things. But then also, when I started working, I did everything I could to be promoted. I had a five-year plan about how I would be promoted certain times, at certain times, and earn a certain salary, and I was well on my way getting there. But actually, God stopped me, and see, promotion isn't just about our own glory. That is blessing. It's about us. We want the riches. We want the fame. We want the success. Promotion is about God's glory. See, blessing is about your glory, but promotion is about his glory. See, on the other side of promotion, there is influence. There is kingdom mindset. There is work, walking and working for his glory. See, God wants to show you his glory in your life. See, blessing for our glory, promotion for his glory. See, the second thing that we're going to be covering is promotion comes from God. See, there are many misconceptions about promotion, but the first thing is that promotion comes from God. 1 Peter 5 in the message version says this, so be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. He is most careful with you. Know that if you are worried about your future, if you have fears or doubts about this life, He is most careful careful with you, life changes, church. It goes on to say this in Psalm 75, for promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. See, promotion comes from God. But there's many misconceptions about what promotion is. The first one is, promotion comes from what I do and not who I am. See, promotion doesn't come from our own abilities. It doesn't come from being better than anyone else. It comes from God because of who you are, that you are son and daughter of Jesus Christ. See, promotion doesn't come from your boss. Your boss is not just responsible for your promotion. Your father in heaven is. So let your boss off the hook. Your father in heaven is the one that promotes you and pours out favor in your life. And we need to know that. See, God is the one who initiates promotion. It is clear that we don't initiate promotion in our lives. God does. God is the one who pours out favor. God is the one who pours out blessing. See, promotion comes to us when we take on the air of a servant, that we are here to serve him and his glory, not live for our own lives, not live for our own sake. That is why we buy in that field. 
It is costly at this time. There are economic pressures. It is not a good time to be buying a building. But God has spoken, and we are living for something greater than ourselves. We are living for His kingdom and His promises and His glory, and we are just servants of His grace and His goodness through our lives. See, Matthew 20, uh, verse 26 says this, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's not popular language nowadays. We don't want to be a servant or a slave, but actually God calls us to. And then he will pour out his grace and his favor in our lives. Just as Jesus has come to serve, we need to serve just in his likeness. And so promotion comes to good stewards. Matthew 16, he who is faithful in a little will always be faithful in much. What has God given you to steward? What has God given you in your hand that you can use for his kingdom and for his glory, not for your own personal blessing? See, God wants to promote you. He wants to pour out his favor in your life. And the third thing that we're going to be covering is that God's got it. It is one of the things that should bring peace to your heart right now, that God's got it. We all know the scripture in Romans, but it goes like this, Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that in all things, say all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, the thing about that is we like it being worked for the good, but it's the good according to his purpose in all things, every circumstances, the trials, the tribulations, the hardships, the things where you actually can't see God working, he works in all things for his purpose. See, there's these beautiful things, and there's two words that I'm going to be speaking about tonight. The one is sovereignty, and it's a big word, so don't worry, I'll explain it. I'm not talking about the monarchy or anything like that. Sovereignty really means that God is in every moment, of every moment, above every moment, that he is in control of everything, that he reigns above everything, that he created the heavens and the earth, and that he is in control. If he wanted to will something into being, he could. He spoke words and creation breathed into life. See, that is what it means that God is sovereign. He is almighty, he is all-powerful, and he is in complete control. There are no limits to God. We only put limits on God. There are no limits to God. But there's this other word called providence. And providence doesn't mean to, that God provides something. I think that is probably one of the worst definitions of what providence means, that God provides. Providence actually means God's sovereign hand working in our lives, that God is working in every moment, that his sovereign hand is upon our lives and he is working in our lives for his glory, for his purposes and for his plans. And providence really means that God will see to it. Do we need something? Do we need favor? Do we need blessing? God's saying, I'll see to it. Do I need my kingdom to advance? God's saying, I will see to it. Do we need peace? Do we need freedom from addiction and healing? God will say, I will see to it. See, it's God's sovereign hand working in our lives. It's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we achieve. It's nothing based on our own abilities. It's because of the sovereign hand of God working in every moment for his glory because he is in complete control. 
See, providence is the working of God's sovereign hand in our lives. And in His sovereignty, He is in action in every moment in our lives. So we're going to be looking at this character of Joseph. And Joseph is probably the perfect picture of someone who has been promoted. He was a young 17-year-old boy that went into a pit, that was sold into slavery, that ended up in a prison, but then became the prime minister of a country. If that is not promotion, I don't know what it is. But if you look at the story carefully, it's not based on anything that Joseph did. Not one bit. There were some responses that were promotable in his life, but it was completely because of God's sovereign hand and that he worked Joseph's life for his glory because he would get the ultimate glory when Joseph walked in his promises. See, this is displaying the supernatural promotion in our lives, and I believe that this is on offer for each and every one of us. So we're going to be looking at this character of Joseph, and we're actually going to be looking at him from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50, and that is when Joseph was 17 years of age, all the way to when Joseph was 110 years old. And so, but there's this theme that I want to explore tonight, and it is the theme of hand-me-downs. Now, I don't know if you've ever received a hand-me-down in your life, but um, I actually like thrifting. And it's basically paying an exorbitant amount of money for hand-me-downs that other people have chucked out of their closets, but we want to put them on. But so before we address anything else, is that there's these themes of hand-me-downs. And you may think that Joseph, maybe he had the best education. Maybe he was set up for life to become prime minister. Obviously, Michael, this guy, there was something about him. His intellect was supernatural. He was maybe like a really handsome guy, and he could like charm his way into situations. But if we actually look at Joseph's backstory, if we looked at what his life was like, it was filled with chaos. It was filled with generational chaos from his father's, from his grandfathers, and actually, we see that God uses imperfect people for God's perfect purposes. And so the story of Joseph, actually, there's all these hand-me-downs that he receives from his parents. And you may be here tonight, and you may be carrying baggage and burdens from your parents, from past hurts, from things that have happened in your life. And I want to tell you that God's providential hand, His sovereign grace is on offer for each and every one of you. And your past does not determine your future. Only God does. And so the first hand-me-down we're going to be looking at tonight is deception. Will you pass me the first little jacket? See, God got given... Joseph got given a hand-me-down of deception. What do I mean? So Joseph's dad was Jacob, and Jacob literally means the deceiver. That is what his name means. I know, a great birth name, if anyone wants to use that. But see, from his birth, Jacob was very skillful and manipulative. See, he conned his brother out of his inheritance. He conned his brother Esau out of his birthright, and he made his brother sell his inheritance for a pot of stew. Probably one of the greatest <laughs> uh, tricks in history. But not only did uh, Joseph, uh, Jacob deceive uh, his brother, he deceived throughout his entire life. So he went to this man named Laban, his uncle, and he said, I will work for you if you give me your daughter, Rachel. 
And Laban said, okay, that's a, that's a good deal. I, I, I will do this. So you have to work for me for seven years in order to marry my daughter, Rachel. Now, all the young people in the room, if you think that your dating life is tough, imagine working for seven years. So he works for seven years. He toils the land. He does what Laban has asked him. But now, see, Laban had another daughter, and the daughter's name was Leah, and uh, Leah had weak eyes. I can sympathize with Leah a little bit, but Leah had weak eyes. And so what Laban did is, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but what Laban did is on their marriage night, he replaced Rachel with Leah. And apparently, uh, Jacob also had weak eyes because he did not notice the difference. <laughs> but then they slept together, and then they, he realized what happened. Laban, you promised me Rachel, but I got Leah. The deceiver was deceived. So what does he do? He goes back to Laban, but you promised me this. And Laban goes, okay, fine. You can work seven more years for my daughter, Rachel. And he goes, okay, I'll work seven more years. But we see in this picture that there is a history of deception. There is this familial line of deception. And Jacob carries this deception into Joseph's story. And I can imagine Joseph as a young boy seeing all of this, seeing all of the family chaos and going, what is going on? Is this going to be my future as well? And so he not only gets the hand-me-down of deception, then we see this other story that they are having to flee in the dead of night. Why? Because Jacob steals a bunch of Laban's best sheep, and they go and they steal the gods inside Laban's house, and they flee from Laban. I don't know what you, maybe you have run from in your life. Maybe you are hiding from things. Maybe you are running from your past. But this is just like Jacob. Jacob passes down the hand-me-down of running. Pass me the next jacket. And so Joseph inherits all of this. From one hand-me-down to the next. One hand-me-down of brokenness. First he gets deception. And then he gets running. It's in his story. He looks at this, and he's a young boy, and he's going, Dad, what's going on? Why are we leaving? Dad, why are these people chasing us? Dad, what have you done? Dad, why do we no longer have a home? Dad, why do I have to leave all my stuff behind? And Jacob's going, quiet, my boy, quiet. Let's go, let's go. And people are chasing them. And there's fear and there's anxiety and they don't know what their future is going to be like. See, in Joseph's story are all these hand-me-downs. We get the third hand-me-down of abuse. See, while they are fleeing, his sister Dinah is abused and his sister Dinah is raped. His sister Dinah, and instead of Jacob intervening in that moment and protecting his daughter, he actually makes a deal with the people who abused her. Maybe there's abuse in your family, whether it's substance abuse or different types of abuse. This is a hand-me-down that is passed on to Joseph. Pass me the next one. And it's so easy for him to put this on. Once we unbutton it. 
There we go. See, it's so easy to put on this hand-me-down of abuse. And it's something that he's never purchased. He's never decided to put this on himself. He's never decided that this would be his future or his journey. But this was given to him. This was given to him from his father. And then his brothers, they plot the scheme that in order to get back, uh, get the people who raped their sister back, that they would concoct the scheme where actually they would uh, demand that they had to be circumcised, that in order to be part of their family, all the men had to be circumcised. And then they are. But then while they are recuperating, while they are resting, they come and they kill all of the men of that tribe. And so in the story, there's not only abuse, there's not only deception, there's not only shame and running, there is now murder in Joseph's story. Something that could determine his future. And then he gets the hand-me-down on murder. And he has to put that on. And the labels in this world get put on him. You have abuse in your story. You have murder in your family. You have deception. You are a liar. You are a cheat. You are a scoundrel. See, these could easily become Joseph's future. These could easily determine how he lives his life. This could easily determine how he views his circumstances and even how he views God. Because when the world puts labels on us, when we put labels on ourselves, those labels often determine how we view our lives and how we even view God. And so he not only gets this uh, hand-me-down of, ab of abuse and murder, he gets the hand-me-down of death. See, after all this happens, after the abuse, after the murder, after all these things, it's getting quite hot up here. After all these things, Deborah dies in his family, the great matriarch of faith, the person that was close to Jacob and close to Joseph. And then Rachel dies, the person that Jacob so long worked for, and Joseph's part of his family. And all these things die, and maybe you have experienced loss in your life, and maybe you have experienced trauma, and maybe a loved one has died that's close to you. And that can define you. And you can sit with that pain. You can sit with that hurt. You can sit with that suffering on you. And it's uncomfortable. And it can determine how you view life once again. And Joseph gets these hand-me-downs. And then finally, he gets the hand-me-down of sexual chaos. This is what I call oversized. See, there's sexual chaos in his family. See, following the death of Rachel, Jacob was living in that region, and he slept with his father's concubine. See, there is sexual immorality in Joseph's family tree. See, there is sexual chaos, and it's not meant to be there. And Joseph is going in life, and he has all these things, and his brothers do not like him. They despise him, and there's all this chaos in his family tree, 
and it can so easily define who he is. And he gets these hand-me-downs, and he gets offered this lot in life. And he can either let these circumstances determine how he views God, determine how he views God's sovereign grace, determine how he views God's providence in his life, determine how he lives, or he can believe in God himself. See, I don't know about you, but we all have a history. We all have a backstory. Maybe you are here tonight with a hand-me-down of abuse, that there is abuse in your story. I know there are people in this room where there is abuse in this story. In my own family, there has been abuse. And we can so easily come into church on a Sunday, and we can carry these things in. And we can look for grace, we can look for freedom, but we're still carrying the burdens and the hand-me-downs that have been passed on to us. And we can so easily forget that we have been clothed in righteousness, that we have been clothed in grace, that we are in the hands of the Father, and when God looks down at us, He only sees His Son, Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're carrying the hand-me-down of sexual brokenness and sexual chaos. And you don't want anyone to know. You don't want anyone to find out that secret sin. You don't want anyone to know your shame. But I promise you, your past does not determine your future. Because while there is all this chaos in his family tree, there is another family tree in the Bible with chaos. And it is the family tree leading up to Joseph, the father of Jesus And in this family tree, we see this person, Abraham, the father of faith, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, who was a liar, who lied twice that his own wife was his sister in order to get out of a tricky situation. See, in this family tree, we see the person of Rahab, who was a prostitute, who was part of this family tree that would lead to Jesus. See, in this family tree, we see Judah, Tamar, and Perez. And Judah is one of Jacob's son, the son that actually uh, put Joseph in a pit. But not only was Judah famous for that, he was also famous for sleeping with his father-in-law's wife and uh, bearing this child called Perez, who was a product of incest. There's sexual chaos in Jesus' family tree. There's sexual chaos in the Bible story. See, God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. But the amazing thing is Perez is called breakthrough because God is always working, and his providence, his plans did not stop there. See, in this family tree, there's a guy called Jeconiah, and he was a terrible king, and he was a king for so short a time that he actually God wiped him from the face of this earth, and he said that no one in your lineage will ever sit on the throne. And then we get David, who's also in this line, who is a great king, but also he is famous for Bathsheba, who he actually um, has sex with, and then he sends her husband to the front lines in order to die. See, in this family tree, there is chaos everywhere. But in this family tree, it ends with Jesus Christ, who breaks every curse, who breaks every pain. What is turned or used for evil, God will turn for good. 
and see in your story, if you feel like you have hand-me-downs and you feel like you cannot take these things off, that Jesus is working right now. See, Jesus is rewriting the story and what man would turn for evil, God would use for good. Can we stand to our feet? See, there's so many labels that are put on us that God is wanting to strip off tonight one by one. Whether it's abuse in your story, I truly believe that God is wanting to show you His sovereign hand in your life. Whether it is sexual chaos tonight and shame and you don't want anyone to know what you watched last night or you don't want anyone to know what's going on in secret, Jesus is rewriting your story this evening. It doesn't need to end up in death. It doesn't need to end up in chaos. It doesn't need to end up in the pit. God will use his, your life for his plans and his purposes and his glory. And the amazing thing is that we can rest in knowing that it's not for ourselves. It's not because of our own abilities. It's not because of our own story or our own doing. God rewrites that for his glory and for his promises and for his plans in your life. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.